0: Hey, so today's episode is a little different. Most of the stories prior to this have been largely based on a fusion of two sources, the Labor Gabala Erein and Kath Moitura. The latter is a detailed source of the trials of the tribulations of the Tuatha de from arrival to the end of the Battle of Moitura, and is incomplete, while the former is a complete rundown of their tenure as ruler of Ireland. In between, there are connections I have made and editorializations coupled with academic research and history. Today's episode is entirely and purely based on my interpretation of a single line of research I found, based on Lu's holiday. The month of August in Gaelic is called Lunessa, named for the holiday that is the first day of the month. It celebrates Lu as a figure, celebrates the coming harvest, and is celebrated because of Lu's clever triumph in his conflict with the fairies. What happened at this event? I have found absolutely nothing. So, this is somewhere between me editorializing and borrowing the celebration of Lunessa. We'll see how it works. Previously, on Goddessy. Lu, conqueror of the Fomorians and savior of the tuatha de Danann, is now king of Ireland. With the older generation of rulers gone, Lu now faces his first test alone. Ireland has been given over to the Andana Shi, the Fair Folk, the Fairies, and he must find a way to prevent this, or the entire world will turn to chaos if the Fairies are left to rule the land. With his foster mother taltu at his side, Lu prepares his people for the only hurdle left before the future is fully theirs. Welcome to Goddessy, Episode 27, The Taking of the Land. They sat, and they waited, on the fields northwest of Tara. It had been almost a year since the Second Battle of Moiture, and Ireland had changed completely. Lou's reign was quiet until Imbolc, when Bridget set out upon the world and began her sole sojourn. Spring came quickly, and with it the kind of color Lou recalled from his childhood. The taint of the Fomorians was gone, and Ireland was again the Emerald Isle. At Beltane, the prisoner Brez began teaching the twatha de how to sow, putting down seeds and cultivating them to grow. All summer, they grew, while the twatha de began rule in earnest, druids learning to settle disputes, and Lu codifying laws, both old and new. When a druid made an order or judgment, the new chief druid, Maltna, made a final pronouncement regarding the decree, with Lu's backing. Corpy the Bard's satire was, as always, biting, but it lacked the sting he gave the former king Brez. Lu ruled justly, with wisdom beyond his years. He did not yet seek a wife, though his bed was by no means empty. During this time, it was said among the court of the Tuathidunan that, though Aramid the healer was Lu's chief advisor among their people, the Firbolg former queen Taltu wandered Tara like a phantom, whispering in the king's ear. She was a druid, like he was, and kept to the groves there, and Meltner respected her. Among some, the families close to the now-deceased Turian, there were whispers she ruled the court of Lu, and soon would subjugate their people and replace the leadership with fear rulers. Not that there were many left after Moitura. The first fog began to appear after Midsummer. At the western edges of Connick, the sea was cloaked in mist, keeping sailors from fishing in those waters. They said laughter came from the mist, and shapes in the fog were distorted things, with terrifying faces that were a cruel mockery of emotion. It was decreed first by Bridget and then by Lu that no one should enter the fog, and if it came closer, they should flee its coming and retreat to Tara. As Lu predicted, or Taltu according to the critics, the mist came closer until it touched the land. Soon it wrapped up into Ulster, still recovering from the Fomorian encroachment there, and south into Munster, before wrapping back around and coming into Leinster. All Twathedidanon who could fled, the rest were engulfed in the mist of the sea, and did not emerge. Foolish souls who tried to reason with or attack the fog were engulfed, and shared a similar fate. Only the goddesses tied to the land seemed to be immune. For Bowen, sovereign queen of the river Boyne, entered the mist effortlessly and emerged from them. Though she would not leave her home at Bruna Boyne regardless, still in grief from her husband's passing. Tara was packed for both nobles and servants, men and women, entirety of the host of the Tuatha de Danon gathered and restricted to me. Soon the prisoner Brez told them they had to consider the harvest, yet they could not. With the crops rot in the phantom miasma? Tensions were high. The critics of Lu grew louder. Corpri's satire grew bolder with hints of the poison in his words. Lou did not mind, but one day stood before the court, barefoot tall to at his side. The coming threat of Tirnanog descends before its time, but we are ready. Bring only the spears and swords and arrows you need for sport, "'I command that we bring our horses, our chariots, your looms, and your leatherworking tools. "'Your smithy tools and your wares, you merchants and artisans. "'We go now to face the future and win our freedom. "'We ride northwest of here, and we will return back freer than when we left, or not at all.' "'Insanity,' many said. "'How could they survive this without full force of arms?' "'Yet Lou's decree was a fearfully obeyed, and Tara was absorbed into the mist as they left. "'It seemed to move them.' "'trap them as they went, "'until they were surrounded on all sides. "'A table was set out at the center of the procession, "'a long table for Lu, for Aramid, "'for the champion Medir, druid Meltna, "'and for guests of honor such as Angus, "'Bridget, Set, the witches Besshon and Dianan, "'and for the fearful queen Tjaltu. "'And soon Maka of the dread Morrigan was among them, "'with spear and raven. "'I have come, King Lu,' For once, Lou had no fear. I see that. I welcome you, Maka. I am not alone. Lou felt a hand upon his shoulder, for it was Anya, the Sovereign Queen of Sovereign Queens, the essence of rulership in Ireland. She was here and very real, standing beside Lou with her hand upon his shoulder and his heart. Few knew who she was and whispers began to ring out. Lu was ruled by a host of women. Wisdom, it seemed, was in short supply, for it appeared that the allies of Turian did not know the power of the Sovereign Queens. All there was now was to wait, and long they did not wait. The figures and faces in the mist were indeed distorted, but upon emerging, they took a shape not unlike the children of Danu's own, except for their skin. No matter what hue they might have been in Tirnanog. They were now a bright, glimmering shade of blue. These were a phantom host. The fairies had come, ranging from exceptionally tiny to giants. Their dress was noble but aged. Some wore only tunics that covered half their chest, man or woman, while others were dressed as the T'watha de in their finery. For, indeed, they were the slain children of Danu. Cries of anguish rang out, recognizing their kin among the dead. Children, mothers, fathers, siblings, parents, friends and family and foes alike, all there. There was King Nuada, and beside him, dead Ogma, the giant Dagda, the smith Gavida, both Nemain and Bav, faces of the Morrigan, Yakid, king of the Firbolg and his sons, and Turian and his sons, and many more. Tuathididanon, Firbolg, Nemedian, Partholonian, Caesarean, Lu was proud that not a single Fomorian soul was among them. He reached to Bridget and held her hand. Ruidan was not among the fair folk gathered here. At the front of the procession, dressed for war, was the fairy woman Birog, his savior and Lu's friend. Beside her, the Dagda came up, pulling a rope. Attached to the rope was a boat, and in the boat was a proud man along with his wife. No one was half as fine in dress or grin as he, and Lou rose at his appearance. The Dagda pulled the boat beside Birog, and there Lou went and embraced his foster father, Manannan MacLear, laughing all the while. You did it, foster son! You slew the Fomorians and cast them from the land, and now you fulfill your part of the bargain. You will give Ireland to us, yes? Lou smiled as the gasp rang out beside him. He held up his hand to silence his critics, and turned back to his people. I am first your king. I would never do anything against your best interest, and I will not hear. Know this. Taltu, my foster mother, made a deal with the fairy woman Birog and my father, Kian, son of Set, to give the lands to the fair folk to inhabit. And so they shall. Gasps and jeers, the fair folk were dangerous and terrifying. But, first, we shall have games, and terms will be met. Come then, Andana she of Tirnanog, I ask you to walk among my people. See our wares, feast, and be as one of us, in the land of the living, and we shall find entertainment and accord. The Dagda pulled Mananin's ship to the table with Lu, and as he did, Manannan commented on the wares. A fine bit of gold you have here, made by a fine craftsman. But my smith is better. Gavita, come and look at this. He did so, looking at the gold rings and torques. Fine indeed. But I am better. Lou looked to his uncle, who did not smile at him. He seemed merely an imitation of Gavita, not his full self. That worried Lou. Still, he had to stick to the plan. Are you better... "'I believe my smith is better still. Are you not, Brigid, daughter of the Dagda?' "'The red-haired former queen smiled. "'I am skilled, yes, but I am humble, too.' "'Shall we test it, then, King Manannan? "'The king of Tirnanog, sitting on his boat, was assaulted by his dog, the hound Felinus, "'whom Lou counted as his lone companion. "'The dog turned blue like its master.' Lew had lost him and despaired but maintained his composure, a trick he had learned in his last year as king. Indeed, boy, indeed. We shall have games this day, I think. Lew nodded. Indeed. Chariot races, sword fighting, spear throwing, archery, and smithing, weaving, singing, games of wit and strategy. All of these things we will have. And so they did. Gavita and Bridget competed in the first contest, and though Gavita still had all of his skill and wit, Lou distracted him with questions and interest. Bridget's torque was finer in gold than Gavita's, and the smith was irate, but the lords of Tirnanog prevented him from seeking revenge. Soon, the hosts of the Land of Youth walked among the Tuatha and Firbolg, and they were merely as themselves. Families reunited, gladly and fearfully, the fairies wanting to know what had happened to the living kin since their passing and some did not wish to reveal such a thing. The games were beheld by all, fanciful things that impressed the living and the dead. Some were won by the living, such as Medir's chariot race against Ogma, and some by the dead, such as Ogma's stone-throwing over Medir. A back and forth began, and though some kept count, only Taltu kept a full count, to herself. Her smile told Lou all he needed to know. Corpri had a different job entirely, he regaled both tuatha de and Dandana Shi with tales of the accomplishments of both, recalling the trickery of the Dagda against Elkmere in taking Bruna Boyne, and how Angus tricked the Dagda in the same way to take his father's home. He recalled how Balor received his evil eye from a curse, and how Balor tricked the smith Gavita into handing over the Gloss Gavlin, a heifer that gave untold milk. He told of Bridget's keening of the Second Battle of Moitur, and of the life of Net, who seemed more noble now, more regal than he had in the moments before his death. Each generation came before the tuatha de Danann, had their story recited, from Eru and her sisters and brothers, the flood that ended them, the children of Partholon and their sad end, the children of Nemed and their wars with the Fomorians, the Firbolg and their civil wars. Among the fair folk, Lu spied Turian and his sons, staring at him. "'and Lu kept his distance wisely. "'So it went like this for two whole days, "'eating and drinking among the living and the dead. "'Among the living there came also judgments and decrees from the druids, "'who held order among the living and the dead. "'The living also held a new tradition. "'The youths whose marriage had been arranged in advance "'could choose to be married for a year and a day here, "'and then they could part if they did not wish to spend their lives together.' This was agreeable among both living and dead. The dead were remembered, which was loved by all. The tales told by the bards, both living and dead, recalling the deeds and the lives of many. The deeds of the living, too, for the deeds of Lu, of Aramid, of Angus were told, recited by friends and foes alike. Even some were critical. The tale of the sons of Turian was told. The greatest criticisms were for Lu and his hand in the deaths of not just Brian Icarin Icarba, but also Turian. Lu did not hide his head in shame, but held it high, not proud, but still with dignity. The third day got to noon before the impatience of the host of the Tuathididon in taking the land came to a head. Foster, son, you have done well being a gracious host and better than I could have hoped given that I taught you. "'But the time has come. "'One year has passed since my extension was given, "'and Ireland now belongs to... "'To everyone,' came a voice that was not Lu's. "'Taltu stepped forward, speaking before them all "'for the first time she she had come to the courts of Lu "'near winter solstice. "'Her glory was still there, but there was something more to her. "'Her magic was working. "'By what grounds, Taltu? "'You are a sovereign queen, but you know the laws.' "'You gave us Ireland to attain the power needed to destroy the Fomorians. "'They are destroyed, and the time has come. "'It is now time to hand over the land to us, that we may inhabit it, "'for it was denied us by fate.' "'Indeed, fair King Manannan, those are the terms,' said Taltu. "'But now her hair began to wave, like Bridget's when she gave a proclamation. "'And they will stand. "'But I have prepared the land for your coming.' For that is where magic comes from an island, the land. You may inhabit the land, but in the hidden places, the land beneath the hills, in caves, in dark places, and in between places. You may inhabit the cairns and tunnels, the mounds and hills, the mountains and lakes and groves, and you may be called upon. On the Morrigan's feast at Samhain, you shall walk the world freely, and the living will do wise to keep from you. The living may treat with the dead, If they find you in your natural homes, or if they summon you, and you may do with them whatever you wish, so long as the Fair Folk maintain these rules, they may stay in this land. They may live in Tirnanog, as they wish, and travel between the two using the natural methods of water and sea. Lou had never seen Mananan Mad before, but the entire host of the Fair Folk was fierce, distorted, and growling. Even the Dagda Nuada became distortions of themselves, caricatures worthy of fear and mockery. By what right do you claim this, you trickster? You vile traitor to your... You came to our homes before your time. Your mist has taken the land from us before our time. But still, we were gracious hosts to you, were we not? And upon your arrival, we entered into a compact. You played our games. You partook of our food. "'You sang our songs and listened to our tales. "'You were our guests, and now, at the end of the three-day period of guesthood, you make demands of us.' "'By our right!' Mananan declared loudly. "'Yes, it is your right to declare these things. "'It was not your right to infringe upon the deal by coming early. Yet you did. "'And in our games, we won more than we lost. "'You infringed on our good gracious by sending your mist. You partook in our games and you lost.' Do you deny it? Manannan said nothing, but called to him his advisors, among them his queen Fond, the Dagda, and Net. The Dagda's face grew wide with a grin, and he bellowed at the consultation. Soon, Manannan did as well. The king of Tirnanog returned. Anya, come. We must speak. Anya came forth and stood beside Taltu and Lu. She placed a hand on Taltu's shoulder, and Taltu seemed to lose her white hair and the years she had gained. She was the young, bold queen of yore again. Do you agree to Taltu's terms, Manannan? You are crafty Anya, giving such power. I understand your words now. A year hence, you said that it was wrong that the Sovereign Queen should be divided between the living and the dead. With this deal, with this new way of thinking, they shall not be we shall take the deal. We shall inhabit this land, and our rules will be held to our domain. On Samhain, we shall wander the land. But how will we remain? What keeps us here, if the magic fades? It will not fade, said Lu, understanding after so long. By telling your stories, you live again in the hills. Every hill shall have a story. Every lock and mound and cave and plain... And every year hence, in honor of my foster mother's wisdom, we shall hold games. Three days in the latter part of summer, we shall hold games here, contests of wit and strength, as we have done here. We shall have a fair and fets, and we shall remember our dead, for remembering the dead guarantees they live forever, even if the details of the stories change. We shall do this in Taltu's honor. Taltu spoke, smiling. And we shall call this festival Lunessa, in honor of the wise king who turned back the host of Andana Shii and made Ireland safe for both living and fair folk. Lu took his foster mother's hands and kissed it. Manannan walked out of his boat, setting foot on land for the first time in a year, and hugged his foster son. You are everything I hoped you would be, boy. I look forward to seeing you again, but I shall dwell in my home in Tirnanog. Farewell, Lu. I will see you again, Anya. Come, Taltu. "'Mananen turned and faced his folk, telling them the details of the deal. Lu did not understand, his gut feeling like it was punched. What does he mean, Taltu? Where are you going? She sighed, her skin beginning to glow blue. My power is extended into every part of the land, and besides, the Tawatha Danan rule now. I have no place in this new world, Lu. "'I have given everything to make this happen. "'Have these games in my honor, "'but I go now to be with my husband and sons. "'You will be wise, and you will make me proud. "'Will you be happy, Lou son of Kian? "'That is my last wish for you.' "'She hugged him and kissed him on the cheek, "'and when she did, he felt the weight of her body "'grow strong on him, for two tall twos appeared. "'The one in his arms was the old woman,' her grace lost, wearing the years of wandering Ireland upon her. Her body was limp, a dead thing, but beside her, Taltu was young, bold, and proud, and shining blue like the host of Tirnanog. She walked to Jokud, her husband, and embraced him. Their sons embraced both of them, and then they left, heading west to Conak, and to the lands where Yakid would inhabit his mounds. So too did many of the host of Tirnanog. Maka embraced her sisters, Bav and Nemain, weeping black, and as the Morrigan embraced in full, they transformed into one single living soul. The Morrigan was whole once more. She turned to Lou, smiling and crying, and spoke only, thank you, before transforming into a host of birds and flying away. The leaders of the Danann paid their respects to Lu. Nwada would live in Tara, and the Dagda with his wife at Brunaboyn. There were many sad partings, and when the time came, Felinus and the horse Inbar made their choice too. They returned to Manannan Meglir, leaving Lu after a year of service. Among the parting hosts of fairies, Lu did not see anyone he did not wish to say goodbye to. The sons of Turian, and Turian himself stayed away from him, but their daughter and allies they spoke. Turian's daughter held a baby, showing them to a doting Turian. Soon, they too departed. Bidog finally came to him and embraced him. You are cunning, Kian's son. Where is he, Bidog? Where is my father? He remains in the city of youth, King Lu. He will wait to meet you. He did not want you to see him like this. He resides with your mother and two brothers." A memory returned to him of two dark-haired boys playing with a woman. Was it a memory, or was it a dream? Lou looked back to his foster mother, laid on a funeral pyre and sighed. "'All in due time. Thank you, Bidog. I will miss you.' She smiled. "'We will see each other, Lou. I am going nowhere.' Your father bade me I watch you, and so I will visit you from time to time, until justice is long dead. She turned into smoke and faded. With a hand, Manannan waved, as his now horse-drawn boat sailed across Ireland, and the hounds followed him, Felinus giving him one final look and whimpering, before leaving at last. "'Anya's hand found his neck, and Lou relaxed, his eyes filled with tears. "'Not even a single year on the throne, and you have won the hearts and minds of your people, Lou. "'You even have a holiday named for you, and no doubt you will rule justly. "'You have my blessings and the blessings of all sovereign queens of Ireland.' "'She leaned in and gave him a full kiss. "'When Lou opened his eyes, she was gone.' The field was empty, save for the living Tuathididanaan and Firbolg. Sring, the leader of the Firbolg, lofted his spear in the air. Hail King Lu! The rest of the host joined the joyous cry, and for once, Lu allowed himself to feel accomplished. The future was theirs, at last. Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional writing and editing by Sydney Anchor, who deserves a raise. Music by Scott Buckley, who can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au. Goddessy can be found on social media at The Goddessy Podcast, where we take part in Mythology Mondays, Weird Wednesdays, and more. If you want to support the show, check us out on Patreon for early access, behind-the-scenes stuff, and my undying gratitude. From Beneath the Hills... Gotta see updates every week check in next week for the first of the last three episodes of lou's story see you then